Shas Illuminated presents the following shear by Rabbi Chaim Balter. Maseches Sukkah has been dedicated by Mr. and Mrs. Noach Stengel, Le'ilu Nishmas Menachem Meir ben Naftali, and Esther Bas David. Today's daf is Chafalaf Aleph, which is the beginning of the second parak. We're actually going to start our discussion from Chafam Beis, the Mishnah, which starts Hayoshim Tachas Hamita Besukkah Lo Yotzi Yedei Chavoso. There are five topics that uh, we will be discussing today. The first topic will be why the Mishnah picks the case of Hayoshan Tachas Hamita as opposed to other things that you may do in the Sukkah, such as Achil The second topic will be the topic of the Patur, or the exemption of Avadim and Nashim concerning Mitzvah Sukkah. The third topic will be what is exactly the problem with sleeping under a bed in the Sukkah and why are you not Yotze? The fourth topic will be the concept of Ohel Zoruk, which is the idea of an Ohel that is moving, whether it has the concept of actually being an Ohel. And the fifth topic will be concerning the Mishnah on Chafalaf Midbez, which deals with the Psul of being Mesachech, Mesachech with Dover Shabakabal Tumah. The first topic, Hayoshan Tachas Hamita Chavaso. The Mishnah starts off on Chofam Abbez, stating that someone who sleeps under a bed is not Yotzei the Mitzvah Sukkah. There's a question of why is the example of doing an act in the Sukkah underneath a bed being the act of Hayashan? Why, for instance, can it say Ha'ochel Tachas HaShulchan or HaShosa Tachas HaMita? So Rashi actually uh, points something out, which is very important. We'll speak about this Rashi. Hayoshan lo yotze, the ohel mafsik beino lesukkah, the iker yeshivas hasukkah achila shtia v'sheina. Rashi makes an interesting point, and he says that the iker yeshivas sukkah, the main living in the sukkah, is made up of three categories, eating, drinking, and sleeping. So once again, the question is, why does the mission pick hayoshan? There are two different views which seem to be uh, diametrically opposed. One is a Tosus Yontif who asks, why is the example given of Hayashan? And he says, because that is the main type of Yeshiva Sukkah. That is the type of Yeshiva Sukkah that is considered to be the most permanent and the most um, stringent. So, for instance, the Gemara later, the Mishnah later on, Chafei Amaralev says that Ochlin Veshosen Aroi Chutzmi Sukkah. A person can eat and a person can go ahead and drink Aroi in a temporary manner as long as it's not Achilas Keva inside the Sukkah. However, the Gemara on Chavav Merawah states that no sleeping at all, even temporary sleeping, cannot be done outside the Sukkah. So the Tosus Yontif says the example of Hayashan is being brought to teach us that this is the most stringent, important aspect of Yeshiva Sukkah. On the other hand, Rabbi Yonason Miluniel, who was brought down in the Ginzi Rishonim, says that the reason it says Hayoshan Tachas Hamita Besukkah Lo Yatzadei Chavaso is not to emphasize that Shena is the Iker and the most important or most stringent, but rather to teach us a Chiddush that even someone must sleep in the Sukkah, and even someone who sleeps in the Sukkah under the meat is Lo Yatzadei Yudei Chavaso. So he seems to be saying the exact opposite direction, Rabbi Yonason Miniluniel, that we might have thought only Achila ha- has stringent requirements, and it's the Mishnah is telling you that even sleeping has stringent requirements. So it seems that the Tosis Yant of Rabbi Yonason Miniluniel are arguing about what is the Iker Yeshiva Sukkah, 
Tosus Yontif is saying it's Shana, while Rabbi Yonosem Meluniel is saying that the Shana has to be included because the Iker Mitzvah Yeshiva Sukkah is actually eating. This may be dependent on two days in Tosus and Brachos Yidal from Bez, where Tosus there in Divar Hama, uh, Tosus there discusses the issue of why do you not bake a Birchas HaMitzvah Lishon Basukah? Tosus gives two answers. The first is that since you make a bracha on Achila, the bracha on Achila will go ahead and exempt you from the bracha on Shena. And the bracha was nitkan on the Achila. The second answer in Tosus, in Yidal from the Beis and Brachas, is that you are afraid you may not fall asleep, and as a result of that, then you may encounter a bracha levatala. It may be that those two answers are dealing with this issue. Answer number one seems to indicate that the Iker bracha is nitkan on Achila because it may be that Achila is the Iker Yeshiva Sukkah. As opposed to the second Teretz in Tosus, who doesn't want to say that you can exempt yourself from the bracha on sleeping with a bracha on eating, but rather that there's a specific problem with Shana, a specific problem with Shana, that a person may not fall asleep. That seems to indicate that he feels that Shana really would require a bracha on its own, except for a technical problem. Now, if we look at Rashi, Rashi says, So all of these three things are included. The Avnei Nezer in Simon Tafpei and Orachayim points out that Rashi is very important. That the reason Rashi mentions all three of these is because in order for a sukkah to actually to be a kasha sukkah, it has to be built with the ability to do all three. Achille, eating, shtia, and shena. And he points out the raya from this is that a sukkah, even if it's very small, even if it meets the minimal shiurim of only being yudfachim high or zayin al zayin, is still enough to do achila shtia, v'shena. The Gemara later on Daf Chafches Medbei says, you're supposed to do many things in the sukkah. One of them is letayel. One of them is to walk around. One of them is to actually live in there. However, it's not required that the sukkah is big enough. The Avinezer says letayel. And Rashi is pointing out for us that the minimum things, the minimum requirements of the, of the sukkah are achila, shtia, uh, and shena. And even though it's not big enough to move around, that it is still considered to be a kasha sukkah. That's why the shear of a sukkah is so minimal. The other interesting point in Rashi is that Rashi includes amongst the Iker Yeshiva sukkah, Achila, Shtia, Veshena, which is interesting because there is an Iser to eat outside of the sukkah. We know that the Mishnah on Chavhei tells us, Ochlin, Veshoisin, Aroi, Chutmi, Sukkah. And the Gemara gives a shear later of what is, are you not allowed to eat outside the sukkah? The Gemara never speaks about a shear concerning shtia outside of sukkah. The Gemara on Chavav Ma'av says, you're not allowed to sleep outside of the sukkah at all. So the question is, what is the nature of shtia? Why does Rashi say, if all drinking can be done outside of the sukkah? When the Mishnah on Chavhei Amar Aleph says, Ochlin v'shoisin aroi chutz misukkah, does it mean that you're only allowed to drink aroi outside of the sukkah, as well as achila, or can all drinking be done outside the sukkah? This is a topic of discussion in the Rambam, in Hilchus Sukkah, Perek Vav Halachavav, as well as in the Shulchan Aruch Simen, Tafresh Lametes, Sif Beis. 
The Ram says, Ochlin v'shosin v'yashenim b'sukkah kol shiva, ben b'yom, ben b'layla. Again, the Rambam tells us there are three important things in eat, uh, of yeshiva sukkah. Eating, drinking, sleeping. Then he continues, V'asul echol sudo chutz l'sukkah kol shiva, ele imken ochel achilas aroi, kebeitza, o poch pachos uyeser ma'ak. He defines that you cannot go ahead and eat a meal outside of the sukkah unless it is an achilas aroi, a battered kebeah. Ve'ein yeshenim chutz l'sukkah, again, afilu shinas aroi. Now, when it comes to drinking, the Rambam says, umutr, it is permitted, lishtos mayim, o le'echel peretz chutz l'sukkah. And the Rambam continues, umi shiyachmer atzmo velo yishta chutz l'sukkah, afilu mayim. What's interesting in the Rambam is, he only mentions the ability to drink water outside of the sukkah. And he says it's a chumrah, again, to drink water in the sukkah. Is the Rambam implying that only water can be eaten outside of the sukkah, and other uh, substances and other beverages cannot? If we look in the Shulchan Aruch, Simon Tafresh Lamites Sif Beis, the Mechaber says, Ochlin v'shosin v'yeshenim, like the Rambam, sukkah kol shiva. However, when he speaks about drinking, he doesn't say umutur lishtos mayim, but he says umutur lishtos mayim ve'yayin u'le'echo peros. And then the Ramah in parentheses says va'afilu kova alayhu. It's mashma from the Mechaber that the ability to drink outside the sukkah is not only limited to water, but also yayin. He adds on even wine. And it seems the Ramah is saying that all drinking can be done outside of the sukkah, because the Ramah adds vafilu kava alayhu. The Mishnah Bura, in his discussion in a Sifkat Nid Gimel, seems to indicate that the uh, Ramah is of the opinion that there is no kfiyas on shtia at all. That all shtia can actually be eaten outside of the sukkah, even shtias yayin. However, in the Bir Halacha, the Divar Hamaschal V'yayin, the Mishnah Baruch discusses whether there is a concept of kfiyas on shtia, specifically shtias yayin, and whether in certain circumstances would shtia require um, uh, achil, um, yeshiva sukkah. It brings down a gra and a darche Moshe, uh, who both say, from a Gemara in Baruch Islam at Vav Medbez, that since there is no concept of Birkas Hamazon on Yayin at all, there's no concept of Kfiya Suda on Yayin, then it is impossible to conceive of a Kfiya Suda that would require um, Sukkah on Yayin. However, he brings a Ritva at the end of the Bir Halakha, Chavhei Amin Aleph, which states that a Revias of Yayin is Kfiyas, and there is a Shir. This may be Shitas Rashi, where Shitas Rashi says, Iker Yeshiva Sukkah, is Achilashtia, and it may be certain circumstances that Rashi is pointing out that Shtias Yayin would require a sukkah, according to the Shitas Haritva that the Bir Halacha brings down, that says a Revias Yayin would require sukkah, or the Bir Halacha explains that if you're drinking Yayin in the context of a Suda, and the drinking is done within a Suda, then it may be that that drinking that's in the context of a Suda during a Suda cannot be done outside of the sukkah, i.e. if someone has a suda Shabbos, he may not be able during that suda Shabbos to drink wine outside the sukkah. So it may be that Rashi is teaching us one of two things, either like the Avni Nezer, that shtia is uh, important in order to define the minimal requirements that a sukkah has to be royal shtia, or perhaps Rashi is adding, Iker Yeshivas sukkah is achilat shtia, because it like the Shittas Haritva, 
there may be cases whereby there is a requirement of achilas kfa, of shtias kfa, to actually drink inside the sukkah. The second topic that we will be discussing is the nature of the patur of both nashim and avadim in yeshivas and mitzvah sukkah. Uh, it appears that it's very simple that women should be potter for mitzvah sukkah based on the general rule of mitzvah zesha hazman grama. However, the issue of the nature of the patur of both women and avadim actually can be analyzed um, based on two issues. Issue number one is what actually is the makor and the source of the patur of avadim and women are in Yeshiva Sukkah. And the second is, once we know that women and Avadim are exempt from Yeshiva Sukkah, can they do the mitzvah? Is there any significance in them doing the mitzvah? And lastly, if there is significance, can they make a bracha? The Mishnah states, and seems to indicate, that there was something learned from the fact uh, of Tev, from Tevi Avdo, Tevi the Eved Rebbe Gamliel. The Mishnah states, For Amr Lehem Rav Gamliel Zekenim, Rav Gamliel said to the Zekenim, Reisem, come see Tevi Avdi, Tevi my uh, slave, Shu Tamad Chacham, he's a Tamad Chacham, V'yodeya, and he knows, Sh'avadim Peturim Min HaSukkah. L'fikach, therefore, Yoshinu Tachas HaMita, therefore he goes ahead and sleeps under the Mita, under the bed, as the Mishnah states that sleeping under the bed has no Kiyom in Yeshiva Sukkah. The Gemara in Chafalaf Amibay says, Amr Reb Shimon, Maisa Betevi Avdo, Tanya Amr Reb Shimon, Misichasa Shabrab Gamliel, from Reb Gamliel's just talking, just from his discussion, we see, we learn two things. Lamadna Shnei Dvarim, Lamadna Shavadim Peturim Minasukah, we know that Avadim are Peturim Minasukah. The obvious question Tosas asks in Chafalaf Amibay's and Lamadna is, Va'afagav Dahai Mitzvah Seshazman Grama, even though it's a mitzvah sheshes mangrom, and we know throughout Shas that there's a klal that's established in Masechus Kedushin, on Chavtes Aleph that, that women are peturim from all mitzvah sheshes mangrom, and Sukkah is a classical example of mitzvah sheshes mangrom. Nevertheless, this is a bit of a chiddish, as Tosus points out, because we might have thought for one of two reasons that women are chayev in mitzvah sukkah. As the Gemara and Chav Chesam and Beis actually states, there would be a Havamina, Sakadaita Hamina, that women are Chayavas in Sukkah, either based on the fact that concerning Mitzvah Sukkah it says, Teshvu Ke'en Taduru, that a person is supposed to sit in the Sukkah the same way that they actually live in their house, and that would include a man and a woman. Or a second possibility is, since there's a Hekish, Tesvav Tesvav, that sukkah is compared to, to Pesach, and just as in Pesach, women are chayiv in matzah, and that's the exception to mitzvah seishas mangroma, so too by sukkah we might have such a havami, we, we, we might have such a thought. Kimash Malon, the Gemara says, women are peturos from uh, mitzvah seishas mangroma of sukkah, even though there might have been, we might have contemplated otherwise. So at the end of the day, since we have a havamina, and since we might have contemplated that women are chayovos, either because of the hekesh or because of Teshu King Taduru, at the end of the day, how do we know that women are peturos? So Rashi on the Mishnah says, at the end of the day, we know that women are peturos, as Rashi says, va'avodim peturim min hasukkah, the mitzvah say shazman groma, noshim peturos, and v'chol she'isha chayevos eved nami chayev. 
in heaven is compared to a woman. At the end of the day, a woman is part of from Yeshiva Sukkah because of Mitzvah Seishas Mangroma. So the Kamash Malan of Chesmet Beis is telling us that the real patur for women is because of Mitzvah Seishas Mangroma. And either there's an Asmachta from HaEzrach, from the Pasuk, and that speaks about who is Chayv in Sukkah, or there's a Halacha Moshe Misinai that tells us that women are paturas from the sukkah. A matter of fact, the Ritva himself says that at the end of the day, even though there's a Havamina, that women would be Chayavos, the Chiddush in the Mishnah is Rabbi Gamliel is saying from Tevi Avda, we see that at the end of the day, Avadim like women are paturim, and the Ritva says because of one of two reasons, either because of the Pasuk, HaEzrach, or because of Halacha Moshe Misinai. And the question is, when you have that halacha misinai, or when you have that asmacht, or that pasuk, as the Ritva tells us, what is the nature of the kamash malon? Is it telling us that at the end of the day, our havamina was totally incorrect, and sukkah is an exact example of mitzvah shesh mangrama, and really the putur at the end of the day is mitzvah shesh mangrama, or no? Really, women should be chayavos. It's not a classical mitzvah seishazman grama because of either the hekesh tesvav tesvav or because of teshu kein teduru. And there's a special miut telling us that women are peturos either from the pasuk ha'ezrach or from the, um, the halacha uh, Moshe Misinai. So this may be important because at the end of the day, do we say that mitzvah sukkah is a regular mitzvah seishazman grama or not? Meaning, does the Kamash Milan that says women are paturos leave any possibility that the Sfara of Teshvuke and Taduru would be Machai of women in some way? Rashi, again on the Mishnah, says there's no Havamina. The Patur from Sukkah is based on Mitzvah Seishas Mangroma. It's not a special miut. However, there's a very interesting Torah to Mima, Torah to Mima in Parshas Emor. Perech of Gimel, Pasuk Membez. Os Kuf where the Torah Tamimah seems to indicate that at the end of the day, the Svara of Teshvu Ke'en Taduru is still applicable. To the extent that he says, Hine Mavur Begmara, the Afa Pikain Paturas Anashim, Mi Mitzvah Sukkah, the Havi Mitzvah Seshas Mangrom Anashim Paturas, Ubecholzos Nira Ledaiti, the Hadrasha Teshvu Ke'en Taduru Leinian Zekayemis. The Torah Tamim says that the concept of Teshu Kein by a woman is still existent and would have an Afgamina. Ya'an ki kenira li havi patur nashim le'inyan ze'araka shehin la'atzmom penuyos grushas valmonos. He feels that at the end of the day, women are only paturos from the sukkah when they, on, they are on their own, when they're single, when they're divorced, divorced when they're widowed. Aval, however, zu keshehi imbailo. When a woman is with her husband, nihim yishum da'atzma, on her own she has no independent chiv. Aval mishum baila, shayuchuhu l'kayim teishvu ken taduru, chayeves gamhi. An unbelievable chiddush in the Torah Tamima. That women do have an underlying chiv in sukkah as opposed to other mitzvahs, as she says, man groma, based on the fact that they are necessary to accompany their husband in order that the husband can be Mekai of Teshvukein to Duru. And he says there are other examples where people are dragged along 
And they have some type of chiv in a mitzvah in order to facilitate the mitzvah for other people. He says, for instance, the Shittas Balamor in Rosh Hashanah Vavamid Bey says that even though women are uh, not mechuyiv in mitzvah simcha, they have a chiv, because it's a mitzvah sheis mangroma, they have a chiv to accompany their husbands in order that they should be mekayim mitzvah simcha, the men with their wives. Similarly, he quotes a hafla in Ksubis Chavdalamid Bey's that there's a chiv for Yisraelim to receive birchas kohanim in order to facilitate the brach of Birchos Kahanim for the Kayinim. So to hear, this is not a classical case of Mitzvah Seishas Man Grom and Sukkah, according to Torah Tamima, but it has a tinge of chiv for the woman that lingers based on the fact of Teshvu Ke'en Taduru. Now this also seems to be hinted to in the Gemara in Erech and Gimel Mbeis. The Gemara in Erech and Gimel Mbeis says, that hakol chayavin besukah koanim levim v'yisraelim. The Gemara there asks, how can you pater koanim levim v'yisraelim? No one would be chayv in sukkah. So the Gemara says the havmin is only legabe a kohen. I might say concerning a kohen that kohen is pater. What's the sakadai tachamina? Teshuv kein taduru. And since when a kohen is on call in the base of migdash, he cannot be involved with his wife. I might think that therefore he is potter from sukkah because he cannot live in the sukkah with his wife because he has to be royal avoda, kemashmulon. The question is again, what is the kemashmulon? Is the kemashmulon that the woman is not necessary at all for Teshu came to Duro? Or does it mean that a woman still has a certain obligation to accompany her husband or a husband has a certain obligation to be with his wife in the sukkah, to be makayim, to its fullest teshuv came to duro. So both Rashi and Tosus and Erchen say that the Kamash Malon is that even if the Kohen cannot go ahead and be Makayim Teshvu Kain to Duru because he is in the base of Migdash, the Kamash Malon is that when he's not on duty, he should go ahead and be Makayim Mitzvah Sukkah properly with his wife. So it appears that the concept of Teshvu Kain to Duru that a man and a woman should stay in the sukkah together, st- st- still seems to linger even after the Kamash Malon. Now, the next issue that we will we'll speak about is, can a woman, when she's potter from a mitzvah, still do the mitzvah? So if we learn that there's still some type of lingering chiyuv, like the Torah Tamima says, like the Gemara in Erchen seems to indicate, that somehow the woman is still involved with the mitzvah sukkah, and she may even be mechuyiv to stay in the sukkah for her husband's sake, then surely the woman is allowed to go ahead and to do the mitzvah even though she herself is patura. The question is according to Rashi. Rashi says at the end of the day, women are totally pater. And the reason they're totally pater is not because of any specific miyut, but as we mentioned, there is a havamina. And the halacha Moshe Misinai, or the drush in the Pasukah Ezrach, tells us that a havamina is wrong. And according to Rashi, sukkah is a classical example of the default concept of that it's a mitzvah mangrama, that woman of paturus. Now the question is, in such a case, do women have the ability to do the mitzvah? So there's a major machlokis between Rambam and Tosus. If the women do the mitzvah, do they make a bracha? Now Rabbeinu Tam in Lamed Aleph, Amad Aleph in Kedushin, as well as the Ritvi here in Arsuyu, say that there is a meaning to women doing mitzvahs even though they are peturos. 
And therefore, they are, can go ahead and they can make the bracha, even asher kedushanom b'mitzvasov v'tzivonon leishev b'sukah. The Ritva in our sugya indicates that when a woman does a mitzvah, mitzvah seishev z'man grama, she gets schar for it. And as a result of the fact that she gets schar, she can make a bracha. Uh, the Lashon of the Ritva is, Avo bishen chayavaz b'davi yesh lahem mitzvah v'notelas lehem schar. L'fikach im ratz levarach aleim hershus biyadam. This is, as I mentioned, a topic of Machlokis, which the Mishnah Bura in Simen Tuf Reish Mem refers to. Machaber in Simen Tuf Reish Mem says, And the Mishnah Bura, Sif Katnalov says, Mishum Dahavli Mitzvah Seshes Mangrama, Venashim Paturos, Veevid Nami Dino Kishul, Inyam Bracha Kishurots in Leishe Basuka. So he brings this machlokis in Simen Yudzayin, whether women are nohek to mevarech on mitzvahs that they are peturos. This question of whether women can make a bracha on mitzvahs might have to do with the nature of how we view women being part of mitzvahs there's a shita lo nodalami in Kedushan Lamadalam and Aleph that asks a fundamental question. What is the nature of the patur of women for Mitzvah Groma? He asks, Mehechi le Why in the world would women be Mechuyavas in Mitzvah Groma? Meaning that the Lushita lo nodalami has a suffix from Hashkafarishona, a priori, before we're taught anything. Should women be mechuyavas in any mitzvahs at all? Or should women be mechuyavas in all mitzvahs and there's a special limit to be mayatim for mitzvahs de shazman groma? He says, Hamistama peturos, lefisha kol ha-tarakula, nemra balashim zacher. That at the end of the day, it may be that we need a chiddish or we need a limit to say women are mechuyavas in any mitzvahs because the whole Torah was nemra balashim zacher. If that's the case, then there's no underlying concept to be mechayev women at all in mitzvahs de shazman grama. And therefore, we need a pasuk to be mechayev them in los ases and mitzvahs ase she'en hazman grama. However, there's another tzad. The other tzad is inami mistoma noshim nami chayovos kidichsiv gabe aseres hadvarim ko somar lebeis Yaakov. That really, all of the Torah is given also to Beis Yaakov, to begin with, and Mitzvah Seishas Mangroma are an exception. If that's the case, then really there's an underlying chiv in all mitzvahs, and Mitzvah Se are just an exception, as the Ritva says, that really they get schar, just they're not chayavos. So these two days in the Shita Lonodolami, about whether the Mitzvah Seishas Mangroma, there's no concept at all to be machai of them, or while, rather, they should be mechuyavus and patur, maybe tali on that machlokes, or may tie into the machlokes of the Rambam and Tosus. The Gilean Hashas in, um, in Rosh Hashanah, Lamed Gimel Lamed Aleph, where there's a discussion there about whether women are allowed to do certain mitzvahs that they're not mechuyavus, such as doing smicha on a behemoth, or tekiya shoifer, is Mitzayin Hagos HaAshri at the end of the third parak of Sukkah, where the last mission in the third parak of Sukkah says 
that a woman is allowed to take a lulav from her son or from her husband after he's finished the mitzvah and allowed to put it back into water. The Gemara says, why would we think not? Because Ma'ud the same, we might have thought that since women are not mechuyavas and lulav, mitzvah zeshaz mangrama, they're not allowed to touch the lulav, kemash mulan. The Gemara is unclear about what the kemash mulan is, but the havmin is clear, as Rashi says. It's mitzvah zeshaz mangrama. We may think women cannot touch the lulav on sukkahs. However, Rashi says the kemash mulan is since men uh, have a chiyav, and men can be it based on the fact that it is it is a cleave for men, women could be known to the lulav. Dagosa Ashri says it appears Rashi is arguing on Rabbeinu Tam. Because if women were allowed to take a lulav and make a bracha on it, why would Rashi need a reason that since men utilize it, women could touch it? It should be that since women themselves can do the mitzvah of groma if they wish. And as the Ritvi here says, there are no telschar, that should be reason enough. Therefore, the Hargos HaRashri is a Medayik in Rashi, that it seems that Rashi is like the Shitas HaRambam, and it may even be that Rashi goes even further and feels that women concerning mitzvah seshas mangroma have no schar and absolutely have no connection to the mitzvah, and their patur is a total patur. But once again, whether sukkah is like every mitzvah seshas mangroma or whether it's a special mitzvah that really they have, should have a chiv based on Teshvukeh and Teduru, just as a special miyut, may be a machlokis with Rashi in our Mishnah, who says the underlying patur of sukkah is the classical mitzvah seshaman grama, versus the ritva, uh, who says that it may just be based on a special miyut. And clearly that's the shita of the Torah Tamima, that there's still a lingering chiv on a woman in sukkah based on Teshvukeh and Teduru. Our third topic of discussion will be what is the nature of the psul of Hayoshan Tachas Hamita Besukkah? Our Mishnah states Hayoshan Tachas Hamita Besukkah Lo Yotzi So we see someone who sits under, who sleeps under a bed in a sukkah is not Yotzi. It's actually a subject of Machlokas. Amar Yehuda, Nogim Hayinu Shayinu Yishenim Tachas Hamita Bifnei Zekenim Velo Amulo Dover. The Gemara says on Chafal Mebez, there's a machlokas between Rabbi Huda Rabbi Shimon, whether you can go ahead and you can actually sleep under a bed in a sukkah. The Gemara says the machlokas is about whether the ohel aroi, whether the temporary ohel of a mita is mavatel, the ohel kavua of a regular sukkah. The Gemara states on Chafal Mebez, Baha Pligi, Marasava Osi Ohel Aroi. So this is the sugya here, and the question is if this sugya is connected to another sugya earlier uh, within the Masechta uh, and Testament base. So there seems to be a major machlokis in how to learn this psul. Firstly, the Gemara says that Tirgam Shmuel bimita asara. It's only talking about a bed that is actually ten tefachim high. So it's interesting that Tosus immediately ties this machlokis here, in or this issue here of a Yashim Tachas with the sugya earlier on Yudam Amid Aleph of Sukkah Tachas Sukkah. The Gemara on Testament Bay says that a Sukkah Tachas Sukkah is Psula, and if someone happens to be in a one Sukkah which is covered by another Sukkah, the Sukkah that he is sitting in is Puzzle. And it seems that it's a Gzeris HaKosuf. Because it says besukos teshvu shivas yomim, v'lo besukos shetachas hasukah, v'lo besukos shetachas ha'ilan, 
The question is, what did the two sugyas have to do with each other? And is there a comparison? The Rif says the reason Hayashim Tachas Hamita is possible is because it's a psul of sukkah Tachas Sukkah. The Rambam, when he brings his halacha, also says that Hayashim Tachas Hamita is possible because of the psul of sukkah Tachas Sukkah. And, as I mentioned, the first Tosus in the parak says that this is Shmuel Lishitase, who says that only if there is a differential or a difference of tenthfachim between the two sukkahs do I say there's a psul of sukkah tachas sukkah. So it's Shmuel Lishitase who says here the bed also has to be tenthfachim. However, at the end, Taisa says maybe there's a difference between the two sukkahs, and it may be Hilkach Kulu Klumho. But here may be that in this case everyone will agree that the even everyone will agree that here the Mita has to be ten Tfachim because a Mita is not as Khashiv as a, as a sukkah in the other sugya. But once again it appears Tosus, the Rambam and the Rif are tying the two sugyas together. The Ritva says he has no understanding, and he agrees with the Balamor, of what the sugya of Sukkah Sukkah has anything to do here. And he, quoting the Balamor, the Rif says, V'hikshalav harazah, ma'inyan sukkah tachas sukkah l'kan? Shere'ein kan shem sukkah. How could there be a psul of being under the mita if the mita doesn't have a shem sukkah? So this machlokas is really based on how you learn the psul of sukkah tachas sukkah. Is it exeris akasuf? Or is it teaching us a general rule? The Ramban says it's teaching us a general rule. The general rule that it's teaching us is somehow you can go ahead and be mavatel a sukkah with something choshev underneath that sukkah. So just like over there, a sukkah is mavatel the sukkah above it, so to here the mita is mavatel the sukkah above it. So really the Ramban is saying that the Chiddush of Sukkah Tacha Sukkah is a psul in the upper Sukkah. That what happens is the lower Sukkah takes away the shame Sukkah of the upper Sukkah. So just as the lower Sukkah takes away the shame Sukkah of the upper Sukkah, so to here something Choshev takes away the Din of a Sukkah above it. Ramban further says that if the issue here is an issue of an ohel, then an ohel cannot be under a sukkah, and somehow an ohel is mavatel, the uh, an ohel is mavatel the yeshiva sukkah under the sukkah. Like Rashi seems to say, the ohel mafsik beino the sukkah, first Rashi on the Mishnah, the ikr yeshivas hasukkah achilush ushena, but being in an ohel it's mafsik. Then the Ramban says an ohel can't be mafsik because a din ohel b'cholat kula is one tefach, and therefore no one says that one an ohel of one tefach would be mavatel the sukkah. Therefore, an ohel can never be mavatel the sukkah above it, according to the Ramban. And he says you need the chiddush of sukkah tachas sukkah to teach us this general rule that something chashuv, not an ohel b'cholat kula, but something like a sukkah which is yud tefachim can be mavatel the sukkah above it. However, the Ritva learns the sugya of sukkah's takah sukkah as not teaching us a general rule, but rather, Ohel Afilu 
that he's actually saying the psul of sukkah tachas sukkah is not a psul in the upper sukkah, but rather he's learning the psul of sukkah tachas sukkah is a psul in the lower sukkah. And somehow the lower sukkah is being mavutal, is being destroyed by the upper sukkah. Now if that's the case, that the upper sukkah is being mavatal by the lower sukkah, that has nothing to do with our sugya. Because we can't be mavatal the mita. The mita doesn't have a shame sukkah. So the Ritva is learning there are two separate sugyas, and the sugya of sukkah, tacha sukkah, is as gzeris akasuv. And here there's another reason. The other reason is because it's a din ohel. And he says, you need an ohel chashuv to be mavatal your yeshiva sukkah. So for instance, he says somebody is in a sukkah and he's wearing clothes. No one is going to say the clothes he's wearing. Or if a person is wearing a hat, that somehow the hat is mavatal his yeshiva sukkah. So therefore, Shmuel is teaching us, unrelated to the sukkah of taka sukkah, that here, once I have a chashuv ohel, the chashuv ohel could be mafsik my yeshiva sukkah. As Rashi says, the ohel mafsik beinol the sukkah. So we see we have a major machlokis, whether the two sugyas of sukkah's tachas sukkah are connected to the sugya over here, whether the psul here is learned out from sukkah tachas sukkah, or whether the psul here is a new psul, or psul of oel hamafsik. And this would determine how we would learn the Gemara and Chafalaf and Bez that says, Asi ohel aroi umavatel ohel keva, whether it's a new din of ohel or whether it's the same din of sukkah tachas sukkah. Our fourth topic will be the topic of Ohel Zorok. Within our sugya, the topic of Ohel is discussed concerning the issue of a sukkah, that perhaps having an Ohel in a sukkah and sleeping underneath it might create a psul in your yeshiva sukkah. So along those guidelines, the Gemara discusses the concept of how to define an Ohel. Specifically, the Gemara wants to know if an Ohel that is created by a human being is considered to be an Ohel, or also an ohel that is ain oisui bidei adam is an ohel. So it, the Gemara brings a machlokus between Rabbi Yehuda, who says yolif ohel olmi mishkan, and just like the ohel in the mishkan is an ohel that's created by a person, so too the din ohel b'cholatarakula has to be an ohel that's created by a person, which in our case in our Mishnah would not be a problem, because the ohel is a mita that's created by a person. However, the Gemara seems to say that there seems to be a contradiction in Rabbi Yehuda. While Rabbi Yehuda, on one hand, says that an ohel is created naturally by water or by uh, formation of rocks, is not an ohel. However, he says that in the in connection with the Para Aduma, where they would take extra precautions in order to make sure that it was all done by Tahara, they would have a process by which they would have children that would grow up in a contained environment of Tahara, and then when they needed to actually bring the water for the Efer Hapara, they would actually position those children on top of Shvarim, on top of oxen, and those oxen themselves, or perhaps boards on top of those oxen, would function as a ohel to ensure that Tuma would not touch them. So we see the concept of ohel is brought in the sugya concerning two issues, the issue of the being chotzeitz bifnei hatuma, and the issue of being chotzeitz in a sukkah. Now, Tosos Divar Hamas for Al Gabehem Dalsos has a problem. How could it be that the actual animal itself, or the boards on top of the animal, could protect the child riding the animal from tuma? 
it has a din of an ohel that is moving. And Taisa says, Man the Omer begitten, Ube Nazir, Ube Erevin, Ube Perak Basu de Chagiga, the Ohel Zorak Loshme Ohel, Lochutz Bifne Atuma, there's a Man the Omer who says that if an Ohel is moving, it does not have the ability to block Tuma. How would they learn our Sugya over here that says that a moving ox or with boards on top of it can be Chaitzitz Bifne Hatuma? So one answer in Taisus is that the Gemara on Amid Bey says, that even though an ox is not created for the purpose of an ohel, meaning it's not created to lie under, nevertheless, there's a xeris hakosov from Eov, perik yud, uba'atzmos v'gidim tesochecheni, it's a xeris hakosov, that something made out of flesh and blood has a din of an ohel. Therefore, it's a xeris hakosov. And that deals with the issue of ohel zarek, meaning normally an ohel that moves would not be an ohel, but in our case we have a xeris hakosov. The issue then becomes, what about if you are of the opinion that they would add actual boards on top of the animal in order to protect the children, and those boards were necessary? Now, if those boards were necessary, there's no special Xeris HaKosov concerning those boards, and since they are moving, how can they protect the child from Tuma? So, Tosis and Erevin, Lamed Omid Beis, Divar Umar, brings a Shitas Harashba. And the Nodi Behud and Orachayim Simon Lamed explains that Shitas Harashba that since the underlying ox has a din ohel because of Xeris Akasov, and even though it's moving, since there is Xeris Akasov concerning the shore, any type of boards on top of it would also have the halacha of being chotes bivnehatum even though they were even though it's moving. So once again, the issue is, is a special Xeris HaKosov, in our instance, in the case of the Shvarim and the Dalsos, in order, in order that they should not have an issue of Ohel Zarek. The Me'iri and Ervin adds another possibility, that maybe our case of the Dalsos, and the case of Binchotet Bifnei Hatuma, by the Shvarim and the children, is just a mala, is just a, a special, special issue here by Paraduma. Because we know that by Para Aduma, we went out of our way in order to ensure that there would be no Tuma. Because since in certain cases we were make that a Tful Yom can be misasik by Para Aduma, in order that we would go ahead and take away from the, uh, the impressions of the Tzadukim, we created other uh, contradiction, contradicting Mailas Betuma. Uh, and maybe this Maila here was just a chashash of kever to home. We didn't know for sure there was any tumor underneath the ground. Therefore, the Miri says we could have been makel here by Ohel Zorak. The Ritvin Ervin says that the only din of Ohel Zorak, that a moving Ohel is not chotet bifnei hatuma, is only when we're speaking about kalim that themselves that can be makabel tumor. Only if the actual Ohel itself can be makabel tumor do we say that when it's Zorak, when it's moving, it can't be chotzitz, but in our case, both the animal, the ox, and the dalsos, which are flat boards, since they are not makabal tuma, therefore, even though it is a ohel zaruk, it is chotzitz bifnei hatuma. Now, this um, question has an interesting halachic uh, ramification, and that's what Nodi Bihud speaks about this in Orachayim Simon Lamed. He speaks about a question of someone who asked him, what about actually walking with a parasol, Today, we uh, what we know is an umbrella on Shabbos. And the Shoah wants to be moderate because if you're going to say that there's an Isser to create an Ohel on Shabbos, so now we have three Nafkaminas for an Ohel in our Sugya. 
One is an ol to be mafsik in the sukkah. The second is an ol to be mafsik in tuma. And the third may be the question of an ohel legabe shabbos, the iser of bona. Do you say that an umbrella is an ohel zorok? And once you open it and you move with it, do you say that you could permit it because it doesn't have a din ohel because it's a moving ohel? So Nodi Behuda, based on his understanding of the Rosh Pesteritz and Erevin, says that since a man has a din ohel, and the umbrella is controlled by the man, then since the umbrella is an extension of the man, just like the Dalsos are an extension of the shore, they would have they would not they would not have a patur of an ohel zorik, but they would have the halachas of a pure ohel, because the concept of ohel zorik would not apply when the object moving is attached to something that has a din ohel. And just like in our sugi, we say flesh and blood, even though it's moving has a din ohel, and a man has a din ohel, so too the umbrella that he carries would be an extension of him. And the Nodi Behuda explains the steer in the Rambams in this way. The Rambam Hilos Tumas Hames, Perakir Aleph Halacha Hay says, the ohel zorik lo ohel. But in Hilos Parah Perakimu Halacha Zayin, he says, that they would use the dulsos on top of the shvarim. So he explains, once again, that the Rambam must agree with this concept, that if something is standing on top of a moving object, if that moving object, like the oxen, are considered because of exeris hakosov to be an ohel, then even though the objects on top of them are moving, since they are attached, they would also have a din ohel. Therefore, an umbrella, according to Nebuchadnezzar, Behuda, would be osran on Shabbos, because even though it's moving, it is attached to the man and would not have the chisarn of Allah Zarak. The Chassam Sofer in Orchaim Simon Ayan Bez says that he could be, really could be matir an umbrella for many reasons, and he finds there's no issue of an ohel, but he says it's an inu inu of the dochol. So we see that this esoteric concept of Allah Zarak might have a halachic nafgimina of whether someone could walk it with an umbrella on Shabbos. Our final topic will be the topic of. Um, on top of a Dover Shemakabal which is Mamida Schach Bedover Hamakabal This issue comes up on the mission of the Battle of Chafal from where there is Machlokis between Chachome and Rabbi Huda concerning the issue of whether someone can put Schach on top of a bed, and will that be a kosher sukkah? Chachome say, Hasamach Sukaso Bekire Hamita, Rashi says, Mita Shlim, if someone creates a sukkah on top of a full bed, it's kosher. Rabbi Huda disagrees and says, If what is supporting the schach is the bed itself, then it is possible. The Gemara then wants to know my time at the Rabbi Huda. What's the reason for Rabbi Huda? And the Gemara gives two reasons. There are two reasons given. One is that the sukkah does not have keva, and there's a machlokas how to learn that. Rashi says it's Rabbi Yehuda Lishitase, that the sukkah is somehow lacking a firmness or lacking the sturdiness. However, the Rosh in uh, Simon Aleph in Paragimel, in the beginning of Hayashan, says that the concept here is that there may not be enough room here, keva, of actually having yutfachim. So if there actually would be Yutvachim, then even on top of a bed, Rabbi Yehuda would be Moda. The other reason for Rabbi Yehuda is, that the Schach is sitting on something that is Makabal Tumah. The question is, where does this Psul come from? We know that Schach has three requirements. It has to be Gedulei Karka, it has to be Tolosh, and a Makabal Tumah. 
But where is this new din of that Tzach cannot rest on something that's Makabal Tumah? So it seems to be a machlokes between Rashi and other Rishonim, and this could lead us to a Chakira and certain Nafgaminas to Psakalacha. Rashi says, He's sensitive to this question. Why should what sits under the schach have the psul of the So he says, Since this object that's makabal is supporting the schach, it's as if you are actually being mesachich bedover hamakabel tuma. Since this is supporting it, it's as if ki ilusichich bedover hamakabel tuma. Rashi seems to learn that this is an extension of the schach. We view anything that supports the schach as an extension of the schach. So it sounds like, according to Rashi, the psul is a psul in the schach itself. That the dover hamakabel tuma creates schach puzzle, you view it as one long extended piece of schach. However, the Ran, the Ramban, all other Rishonim learn that it's not a psul in the schach itself, it's rather a new psul of a gzera. It's a new gzera, which is that if I'm going to support the schach with Avraham Makabotuma, I may end up coming to be Mesachich B'davra Makabotuma. The question is now, do we paskin like this Tzad in the Gemara? First of all, we have Machlokas Tanakama and Rabbi Yehuda. Normally, we'd pass him like Tanakama, who says it's okay to go ahead and be Msachech Bekiri Hamita. And it's only Rabbi Yehuda who says that I can't put Sach on top of a bed. So the Rush says, since the Rif brings down the reasons of Rabbi Yehuda, and since the Gemara itself has a shock of Atari in the reasons of Rabbi Yehuda, it implies the Halacha is like Rabbi Yehuda. However, the Rush says, the, there is a machlokis in what Rabbi Yehuda's reasoning is. It's only according to one man, the Omer, that Rabbi Yehuda says it's possible because ma'amida b'davar ha'makabal tuma. Rather, the rush paskins, essentially, and this seems to be the derech of the Shulchan Aruch, that the real reason for Rabbi Yehuda's psul is because the kire ha'mita ain lo keva, and as the rush understood, that meant that the normal mita does not have yudfachim, which would not give it enough room for a sukkah. The Mechaber in Simetof Reshlam at Sifid Gimel says, Hasomech sukoso al-kari ha-mita v'akirayim he-mechitas im yesh ba-gov ha-sartfachim min ha-mitu l'schach So it appears that the Shulchan Aruch, and he says, v'im lav p'sula, the Shulchan Aruch paskins like the Rosh, that even if we paskin like Rabbi Yehuda, the reason for Rabbi Yehuda's p'sul in Sochech al-amita, al-kiri ha-mita, has to do with the fact that it's lacking the proper uh, height issue of Asar Tvachim. And nowhere in the Shulchan Aruch is there mentioned that a problem of that your Mamid Agabe Mita Mamid Adover Hamakabel Tuma. However, the Mishnah Brewer in Sifkat and Tess says, Im Yesh Ba Gabak Shera, the after Mamid Agabe Mita Shehi Mekabelas Tuma Lo Ich Paslon Baza. Really, Meikar Hadin, the Shulchan Aruch, and the Rambam, and the Rif, when this is not brought, this concept of passing like Rabbi Yehuda and Lashon Rabbi Yehuda, that the problem of Kiri Hanmita is the Mishra Brewer says really because the Shulchan Aruch following the Rosh says the issue is the issue of Yutfachim, not Mamed Davra Makabal Tumah. The Kabbalah's Tumah al-Aschach Ne'amar Velo al-Defanos. Nevertheless, the Mishra Brewer says 
lechatchila nochenli zorbaze, and this is the way the oilam is noheg, that lechatchila we do not want to have our schach resting on Dovra HaMakabal because we're choshish for Rabbi Yehuda and we're choshish for the Lashen in Rabbi Yehuda that the psul is by, by uh, the psul is an issue of Bimama B'Dovra HaMakabal and the Mogan Avram in Simon Tofresh Choftes Siv Zayim um, is Machmer like that and that's the way the Olam is Noheg. The Roshonim actually bring that there seem to be a number of Gemaras that seem to be a steer to this concept of not allowing schach to rest on Dovra HaMakabal for instance, I could be Mesachech on Avonim. I could be Mesachech on an Elon. So the Roshonim in general don't follow Rashi's approach, and they follow the approach that it's all Xera. And in cases of an Elon, you wouldn't be Geyser. In cases of Avonim, you wouldn't be Gozer, because no one is going to be Mesachech be Avonim if the, if the problem is we're worried be Mesachech be Dovrisho Makabal Tumor. And the Ramban says that the case of Ha'usa Sukoso Be'ilon is where the Elon is used as the Karka, not actually used as the Defanos. And we know the Halacha is Ha'kok Sherem with Defanos, even Dover HaMakabal So how could it be that we paskin this way? So the Rishonim say, it, most Rishonim say it's just a Gzera. However, the Bach in Simen Tofresh Chavtes says Rashi, since he learned it's not a gzera, but really the Dover Hamamid as a schach is like an extension of schach, learns that there may actually be an Isr Daraisa, while the Pnei Yeshua on our Suya disagrees. There's a famous Chazonish that many people are familiar with. In Arachayim, Simen Kufmem Gimel, that states that not only is Mamid a problem of Makabal Tuma, but even Mamid the Mamid. So, for instance, if someone would put schach on top of wood, where he would not be mamid the schach and dover makabel if that wood that is uh, that is supporting the schach is then supported by metal, the chazonish says there's no difference, because it says at the end of the day, anything that holds up the schach, even though it's once removed or twice removed, to the extent that the chazonish says you can't use any metal to keep the defanos together, you would have to use wooden pegs. He says, since the concept is that once something is supporting the schach, there it is a mamid, even though, as we mentioned, there may be something that's choitzitz, he puzzles it. Now, it appears the chazoin ish is going along shitas rashi. Because if you learn that it's a gzera, then it's hard to say that a mamid, the mamid, the mamid, anything that supports it, even though it's all the way down or removed, there will be a gzera, that you'd be geyser, that it would mix up something that's way down the line, with the schach itself. If it's right under the schach and it's a mamid, then I can understand that there would be a gzera derabana. However, if you learn like Rashi, and as we explained, according to Rashi, and according to the Bach, it may even be an isodaraisa, that it's not a gzera, but it's actually a psul in the schach, that anything that supports the schach is considered, in essence, to be schach pasul, if it doesn't conform with all the qualifications of schach, because it's an extension of the schach, then you could understand the svar of the chazonish. So we see the machlekes of the chazonish and the mishnabura and how far we could be telling the chakira of what the nature is of the psul of mamid b'davashem akabal If it's exera, then we would understand just mamid, but if it's like rashi, that anything that supports the schach is an extension of schach, then it would even be mamid the mamid, like the sheet of the chazonish. You have been listening to the Shiurim of Shas Illuminated. Shas Illuminated is a non-profit organization dedicated to broadening the learning of those studying the DAF worldwide.
If you would like to make a donation or to dedicate a daf or a please visit our website at shasilluminated.org or call 203-312-SHAS. You can also email us at shasilluminated at gmail.com.